Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Human Factor. So I am Mike Lechen, your host for the week, and I am here with a longtime friend of mine, Will, that we go back, well, as longer than my wife and I, actually, and he goes back with her longer than I did, even. You knew her before I did. So I've known your wife since we were in high school. And I've known you for over 20 years, um, being that we cheered together back on Ravens. And this is my 22nd season with the organization. That's hard to imagine. That's so, every time they say how long <laughs> since we did, it's hard to imagine. But so for those of you who are new to the, to the series, uh, we always like to bring in some different people and kind of talk about how things have changed, uh, what things have impacted with everything going on, and really just kind of learn about some new different things that maybe you're not aware of how some organizations run or different positions and get away from tech for a few minutes. So uh, as Will pointed out, uh, many years ago, for those of you who don't know me uh, personally, I, I spent a few years uh, with a, a side hobby as a cheerleader for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, when I was doing that, Will and I were actually on the team together. Uh, Will continued cheering for the Ravens for quite a few more years and then transitioned into being one of the coaches for it. So I thought it would be a lot of fun to kind of go through, get a little bit of background um, from Will on kind of how he ended up doing this, uh, how he ended up cheering in general uh, and where that came from, how it ended up being a job uh, for, <laughs> for both of us uh, at one point and now a much bigger job for you. And then talk about the team now and how the changes with the pandemic have, have impacted. Obviously, we hear a lot about uh, the major sports franchises and the sports leagues, uh, MLS trying to start back up and having lots of issues getting any games going. Uh, you get Indy having issues. You get NASCAR with issues right now. Uh, the NBA has claiming they're going to try to play seven games in a day or whatever they're going to do to announce those. Uh, so I know it's having a big impact. So, but before we get into the impact, why don't you kind of give everybody a little bit of rundown of how in the world you ended up as a cheerleader? Cause it's always, all of us have interesting stories on that one. It, I, I don't feel like it's ever a direct path. Um, back when we started cheerleading, now it's much more acceptable to have guys that are cheerleaders um, because of all-star, because of collegiate cheerleading. Um, for a time, it wasn't as popular as it is now. So back when I started, I actually started off as a gymnast, um, did gymnastics for a while, and then I turned to diving. Um, I went to an all-boys private school, so it was diving. Um, and I also found out they had a cheerleading team. And since I was a gymnast, I could tumble. So... One of the guys in the school said, hey, we have a cheerleading team. Why don't you try out for it? And I said, I don't know about that, but sure, I'll come to one practice. Came to a practice. They saw I could do, you know, a front through the full, and they're like, we need you on the team. Um, and that's kind of how it start, all started in high school at Calvert Hall. Um, from Calvert Hall, I went into college. I cheered for um, one year in college, and then joined the Ravens shortly thereafter. So that's kind of how I got into the whole cheerleading realm. I started off as a gymnast diver, and then it kind of parlayed into cheerleading. Um, and while I was on Ravens, I also started coaching cheerleading. 
not cheerleading per se, but tumbling for cheerleaders. So it just kind of all pulled together. Um, from there, went to join Ravens, cheered on Ravens for a number of years. And, you know, as you know, things change, things develop. Um, I was coached by two different coaches. Once they left, the position opened itself up. I was the oldest returning member at that point and, you know, interviewed for the position with the front office and with uh, Tina Galdiri, who's the director. And she said, let's go. So, so I mean, it's a heck of a path to get there for sure. But you had, even before you were coaching, uh, when you were in college, you were doing all star, like you were helping out. Cause that's how you met my wife was, was through some of that when you were cheering there, right. You were doing some of the stuff for some cheer camps and things like that. Absolutely. So right after, so I cheered one year in high school and that year, um, you could try out for what was called UCA, NCA, ECA. There were all these different cheerleading organizations and you could try out your senior year to become their staff. And I tried out for ECA that year, went to training and that's where I met Christine, your wife. And we've been friends ever since. Um, so we were 17, 18 years old at the time. And um, we taught a lot of camps together. We spent summers together, you know, visited her we're in her hometown where she's from, got to know her family. So, you know, cheerleading kind of really brings you together. Yeah, it definitely ends up with a whole different family, I think, that people realize. So you went from there. Now, what, what did a normal season now that you've been coaching a couple of years for Ravens uh what did a normal season look like for from time you had tryouts uh which I don't think people realize are so far ahead and the team changes every year that they're so far ahead of the season kind of through the preseason before you get to the even a regular game day what what that season look like so a regular season normally starts in March you start with a weekend of tryouts normally the first weekend in March is Saturday Sunday where you get to see everyone's skill and ability and you assess it at that point. Um, the first round is all people wanting to make the team for the first time. So all rookie, what would be considered a rookie cheerleader for the season. Um, the second day, those, you know, new contestants or, or new team members that are trying out, um, they go from the first day to the second day and they join the second day with the veteran cheerleaders. The veteran cheerleaders get a pass on the first day, but it's a level playing field day two for everyone to see, you know, what they have, compare them. From there, they go into interviews that the next week um, where it's a business interview where we get to know them a little bit better, find out about their family, find out about you know, where they work, what they do, where they are in life, see if they're a good fit for the organization. From there, we go into a final round of tryouts where we get to see all those that have made it through those first four rounds together to kind of see what the team would look like. Um, from there, there's, you know, the final team is selected at that final round. They still have to make it through a physical with the team doctors to make sure that they can handle the physical requirements of the position. And then they go immediately into paperwork, consultations, and the first practice normally starts about two months after they have um, started the whole process. So now once you've gotten through those two months, so now we're May, June timeframe, 
season normal preseason's going to start August. So what does a practice look like in the middle of the summer uh, when you're kind of getting through this? What what what's a standard practice? What would be one a day of practice in the middle of the summer working on? So a practice looks like you know we start normally with uh, a workout or a cardio session um, for their fitness. From there we go into um, meetings where we you know appearances or anything that we may have to use for organization. After that is a quick stretch. From the stretch, we immediately go into practicing stunting and dancing, partner stunning for the co-ed team, and then dancing for the dance team. Um, we work on basic elements that we can all do together, then more advanced elements, which include partner stunning, pyramids, basket tosses, elevators. Um, the girls are required to know dancers on stunt as well, so both dance and stunt girls perform. Um, and that normally goes about two, two and a half hours. And then from there, we cool down and dismiss. So it's about a three hour practice. So, and that's just, that's how often during the summer do you, do you end up doing that? A couple times a week? We start off in um, June, about the beginning of June, end of May with one practice a week. Uh, we also have a training camp where we get everyone together for a weekend to teach them skills and kind of how we do things uh, so we can start setting, you know, different things that we do on the sideline, the pyramids, the partner stunts, start pairing up partners. From there um, until about the beginning of July, it's still one week of practice. And then from after that, starting in July, we do two weeks of practice on Tuesdays and Thursdays from six to nine. So – now that's a normal season. <laughs> we're not in a normal season. So you had tryouts were still everything was open. Everything was we, we really I think when, when tryouts happened, we weren't really worried about COVID at the time. So not at all. The initial tryouts. So you have your team selected now. Uh, I think because you got did you get through final tryouts? We did not. So once so. the pandemic happened the trial process was paused. And once that trial process was paused, everything from there kind of trickle down effect to what the NFL will allow. Um, every team handles their trial process differently. We got almost to the final round when we paused, um, where we would actually be picking the, the final team. So that very last step. And we're just waiting for further direction from the NFL on how to proceed and what to do. So with that, we've been paused for what would be, we'd be in the middle of practice right now, getting ready for the season, learning routines, learning sideline elements, but we're not doing any of that. Um, the only decision that has been made is that we are not going with any rookie cheerleaders this year. So if we do have a team, it will be consisting of the veterans. Um, so, and many, and there's a couple different reasons for that. You know, you don't have time to teach rookie people your style, how things happen, the flow of game day. By going with veterans, they already know what's expected of them. They know how to perform. So, you know, we have decided not to go with rookies. If we end up do having cheerleaders, it will only be the veterans. And I'm sure that in some capacity, based off of how the NFL decides, we'll determine how we 
handle the cheerleaders on the sideline or in the stadium. Yeah, because it's definitely – it's not a socially distant sport by any no. stretch. <laughs> well, we're unique in the fact that we do have a stunt team. So there's a lot of contact between stunt. But for those that have dance teams, of course, you can put them on an axe and they stay six feet apart and they socially distance themselves. So it'll be interesting to see how we handle that part of it, um, if it does come to that. I mean, is there a chance that you only have dance for the season? That will be determined by the front office. Um, seeing as we are unique in the NFL, I don't see that happening. Um, you know, because the guys do add an element to game day that is unique um, that other teams don't have. It really sets us apart. Right. I mean, if there aren't fans in the stands, it doesn't necessarily matter. But, I mean, that's going to be a huge portion of it, of course. Well, and, you know, the great thing about the cheerleaders is we – everyone thinks that we're just game day, but we do a lot of community outreach. We do do appearances. We do interact a lot with the fans. And there's much more that we could do, even if we aren't allowed on the field, um, that would, you know, still – enhance the game day experience for those that might not be able to get to the stadium. So are you doing any of those appearances or anything like that now? I mean, is any of that still going or is pretty much everything on, not just practice and everything, but even that type of thing's on hold. Everything's on, on hold. Everything's paused until we do, until we get direction from the NFL for what can be allowed. Um, you know, and the NFL is just trying to keep everything fair across the board um, so that no one gets an unfair advantage. Well, I think that makes sense, of course. I mean, that's, that's otherwise the competition's just not there, and it's not knowing where things are going to go. They have to do that. Yes. Of course. Um, so on kind of the business side of it for you, now going from being on the squad to coaching, uh, obviously this year's a little different, but what was the difference there? Like what did you find that there was on the business side of it um, obviously, there's a lot of things today that come up about the safety of the sport. Um, and at that, the at the NFL level, at the professional level, obviously, it's completely different, especially for stunt. Um, what kind of things did you see? Whether is there a big impact? If you had a big impact on the discussions around the safety, uh, one, and then two, just what have you seen different going into a business aspect of the of the sport instead of just being a player? Um. For the business side, it really is everything revolves around money and what can you produce and, you know, how has this become a viable product? Because cheerleading is a product. It's a product that is, you know, that relies on the talent and abilities of people. And, you know, cheerleading enhances organizations, you know, in a way that the players can not. And what that means is it's a tangible piece for fans and people who want to be a part of the organization to really reach out to and connect to. So that is a tangible product that doesn't always have a financial price point. Um, for, for it to be a viable product, we there are services that we can provide that do bring money into the organizations. There are different things that we do that bring sponsorships, that bring charities. So balancing all of that is really what makes it more of a business and less um, 
a fun activity for me. So for the cheerleaders on the team, yes, they're participating, but it's also for them, they're not looking at the budget side of things, you know, where it really does become a tangible product for the organization. Um, so I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I think about so. The financial it, side. Yeah, it's a big difference between when you're just being able to do it versus you've got to start looking at well, what should the team be doing? I mean, we would get sent out and do appearances and or go work with, like you said, with the charity to do something. But you don't think about it when you're the one on the team, how that's impacting the entire organization. And I think you need to now being a coach and being in the, the management of the organization uh, and of the, the chair program, you have to actually account for that. Um, and I know I saw that when I was coaching at the college level as well. Like you, you have to, sh there have these has to be some tangible benefit to when you have people do things. And I think it's not something you see when you're doing it and you don't necessarily always understand why the coach is telling you to go do something uh, that doesn't quite make sense to you at the time. Uh, now you look back and you see it. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, once you kind of grow through the program or mature through the program or start a program, you do have those growing pains of, you know, budgets and, you know, how are we going to make this work? And it really has to be a tangible product for it to be beneficial because just like with any business, if it's not tangible, then it could easily go. Right. So that definitely covers some of the business side of it, I think. So the other side, um, one, I was going to ask about the safety question. we come back to that because I have another question before that. Since you've been coaching, and I know this happened to me, how often do you say something and in the back of your head, you hear one of our former coaches or saying it and you realize you're repeating the same thing they said that you hated when they told you the same thing? All the time. All the time. <laughs> Every practice. And, you know, you don't know what you know. You don't know what you don't know. Until you're coaching, until you step to the other side or the other side of the line, it does, it's, it's different. You know, when you're doing it, you don't get to see what the overall product looks like. You're just a little cog in the wheel of 45 other cogs. And you're like, well, I did my part right. Did they do their part right? So it really becomes an observation in being able to relay to the team members the importance of doing certain things, like why we're doing something a certain way. And they may not completely grasp it because they don't see the other side of it. Um, I say to the team all the time, you know, if you make a mistake, they're not going to say, hey, Susie made a mistake. They're going to say the Baltimore Ravens cheerleaders made a mistake. They're not going to go to you. They're going to come to the coaches. They're going to come to the front office. They're going to say it to us. So, you know, that's the part that is hard for them to grasp and understand that it's bigger than they are. Um, the current generation is very much about themselves. So it's hard to see beyond, well, you know, it doesn't directly affect me. It's not about me. So it's hard for them to really have that understanding of being on the side of management and producing a product and what it takes to produce a product. And, you know, basically why you need to do it that way isn't completely or isn't always completely understood. Yeah. And I know you and I both had some rather, we'll say strict coaches coming through. So, and, but on specific things and looking back on it, a lot of it was very much safety oriented. 
absolutely uh, on, on where the strictness was so going on to that as, as we kind of wrap up a bit here where was where has the safety i mean there's you can read so many different surveys about cheerleading as a sport and the safety today and the concern about the safety. Um, it obviously has impacted at the all-star level. It's impacted the high school level. Uh, so a lot of limitations on colleges. Uh, how has it impacted changes and, and different things that you've implemented at the professional level now? Um, well, we're not uh, governed by any particular governing body. So there aren't rules or regulations that say I can't toss this basket or I have to have a certain grip or a certain amount of spotters. So in that way, I'm not bound to requirements. However, and before we start stunting or doing anything where a person in the air, we do go through a safety training and have requirements. I always say if you're trying something new, you have to have a spot. If there are two guys in a stunt and one girl, that guy has to be hands-on and paying attention. Um, for pyramids, you're, you're choreographed to know if something goes wrong, who you're responsible for and how to get them down safely. All that happens before we ever put someone in the air. Um, and I think that making sure that that happens and that no matter what you can trust and rely on your teammates to keep you safe, is the most important thing. Um, knock on wood, we haven't had um, very many terrible injuries in the past couple years. Um, the biggest thing is a couple of concussions, uh, just because concussion protocols have changed. Um, you know, for yeah, the I safety of the, of the athletes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's more of them now because we diagnose them better. Uh, I'm, I have no Absolutely. doubt that we had quite a few when we were doing it. It, we'd never, nobody ever cared. There was never any diagnosis. On well, it. I, the standards have changed for sure. The requirements, the diagnosis, and standards have changed completely. And you know, um, everyone does a baseline now so that they see where you start and then where you, if something were to happen to you, where you need to get back to before you perform. So it really is about the safety of the athletes, and that doesn't mean like, you know, no one's getting caught or someone's hitting the ground. We have very few people touch the ground at practice or fall to the ground. Um, but those catches are hard catches, you know. So that's what really drives, you know, the safety aspect of it. Um, but we definitely keep our athletes safe. We have a trainer, Kim, who's at every practice. We have a trainer on game day. Um, so the, you know, keeping our athletes healthy and safe is number one priority even before we do anything um and understanding like what we practice how to fall we practice how to catch. Uh, i think we're, i we think we're, we're losing will here for a second i think so on I think, unfortunately, we've lost the very end of Will, but I, th I think what we can say is, obviously, it was the safety that wrapped that up was ultimately paramount. Um, so, so Will, that I, the time arises, thought in it, right? Oh, am I back? I think, I think you're back. We lost you for a bit there. I was just going to wrap us up anyway. Uh, 
So obviously safety is is obviously hugely paramount there. um, And it's one of the big things. Uh, It was awesome to kind of be able to chat with you, see a little bit of how you guys are having to adjust. The fact that in all reality, they're basically staying shut down. You're doing nothing. So talk about truly uh, adjusting like the rest of the world on. So um, thank you for joining us. Uh, Thanks for spending the time and and talking for a few. Uh, Thank you for everyone who was on live. And uh, if you're listening to on the podcast, make sure to check out a few of the others. Uh, And we will be back next week with another episode of The Human Factor. Thank you all for joining us. Great to see you, Mike. You too. All right.